Rusty Quill presents. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Warning. This episode contains a description, but not a depiction, of body gore. Listener discretion is advised.
Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Your brain will turn anything into a morsel of nostalgia, won't it? I did a whole episode about the first round of Wobegon, and I made it sound like it had a happy ending. And it felt that way, too, when I was telling the story. That's the magical power that the brain is capable of. It can completely rewrite the past. That wasn't a happy ending. It wasn't an ending at all. The peace of mind of my dead friend coming back to life, like nothing had ever happened, was the eye of the storm. A storm with a thousand eyes. That's a bad metaphor. It should have been obvious that it was all peaks and valleys as long as I would be playing Wobegon. I was wrong in my first episode. This whole thing is blackmail, right? By the time I saw the results, I was pretty certain that the prize goes away if I stopped playing the game. And I was right, by the way. And that first prize was only to get me hooked into playing the rest of the games. The quote-unquote prizes stop being prizes. If you listened to the first episode of Wobegon and thought that this was going to be a story full of catharsis and dramatic but ultimately wholesome venues for me to discover my self-worth, you're dead wrong. My self-worth remains undiscovered. But after the first game, I wondered how anyone could ever drop out of Wobegon. We're dealing with magic, or a technology fundamentally indistinguishable from magic. How could you look at that and not become obsessed with figuring out the extent of these powers and how to harness this technology for yourself, or for the good of the world if you're a better person than me? How could you not stand in awe at the power of this thing and decide that it's not worth it to learn more? Well, I get it now. I really get it now. And the second challenge was my first taste of wanting to walk away. Don't get me wrong, I'm not out of the game, but I get it now. This is Wobegon. best friend is back in my life, and, you know, back to life in general. The reality shift that I had set into motion by winning the first game hit me in waves. My brain just did not accept these new conditions. I would catch myself feeling certain that my friend, let's call him Matt from here on out, wasn't really alive again. I wanted to know everything about him, what had happened in the last two years with him, who he was now, what he was doing and thinking about, how he was living. The phone conversation that confirmed his renewed existence was a huge blur to me. I was too emotional to hear any of the substance of his words. I wanted to know everything, do everything, speak to him in person, see him, feel him. I thought about flying out to Vancouver, but I thought better of it because of the pandemic. The next conversation we had, however, was markedly... tense. I called him again the next day, and he was busy with his newborn child. I told him I had no idea that he had a child, or a wife, and he snapped back that of course I didn't because once he moved to Vancouver, I hadn't had anything to do with him. 
He wanted to know why I was so interested all of a sudden. Did I want something? I spluttered instead of answering, and this only made it even less convincing that I didn't want something. Because I guess I do want something, but I can't tell him about it. He had apparently come into quite a lot of money recently, and thought that I knew that and was trying to get some of it. I assured him that that wasn't the case, but he said the timing was too perfect to be a coincidence. Plus all of that stuff that he had heard about me recently. Wait. Heard about me recently? He harumphed and said, I think we're done here, and hung up the phone. I was confused and admittedly a little hurt by this. I was still head over heels happy that Matt was alive, and that that traumatic evening was gone for everyone involved, but now there was just the tiniest asterisk next to that happiness. If Matt's alive, and the cost is that he doesn't want anything to do with me, fine. It's not optimal, but it's fine. Matt's alive. I was scared when he said that he had been hearing bad things about me recently. Maybe that's not related. I'm not always the best guy. I remember on my freshman floor in college, a new friend was on the phone with her parents, and she was talking about everyone she had just met. When she got to me, she said, And then there's this dude, Mike. He's pretty cool. He's not nice, but... Woof. I'd like to think I've done some self-reflection since then, but have I really? I tend to bulldoze over other people and their needs and problems more than I should, and more than I would like, I would add. I don't always like myself, and I definitely don't like when I figure out that I've done this. So this could just be my reputation finally catching up to me. Or it could be well begone. If everything is going to go back to normal, or be better every time that a round is completed, there has to be something that makes the game harder to play. And the game is largely about me and events that happened in my personal life, so this sort of muckraking would make sense as a game mechanic. They might have even put words in my mouth, or even made me do something in the past that's coming back to haunt me now. I don't remember my past changing in a way that made me more villainous, but that doesn't mean that it definitely didn't happen. I lived high on the hog for a while. Some incredible things had happened to me, and I was knee-deep in a mysterious game that was unraveling in more and more interesting ways the more threads I tugged at. I called into work fake sick and got drunk one night. I splurged on fast food and bought some stuff on Amazon I had my eye on that I always talk myself out of. I'm going to turn into one of those guys who won't stop talking about his bidet. Overall, I was generally just a little less responsible than normal. I knew that the second challenge would be starting sooner rather than later. I had no idea what it would entail, so I was living like everything could go to shit in a jiffy. And I wasn't wrong for once that things were about to get turned up to 11. The second challenge was delivered through an even more dramatic method than the first, if you can believe it. Without hearing my phone ring at all, I looked down and noticed that I had a new voicemail message. I try my best to never talk on the phone, and everybody in my life knows this, so when I saw that I had a new voicemail, I freaked out, thinking that there was an emergency. And there sort of was. This is Wobegon, after all. So I hit play on the voicemail. It played... This. I'll cut the shit. If you found this, it's because you googled. What is Wobegon? None of that stuff happened. It never happened. Maybe being so horrible. See, unlikely. It is definitionally impossible. Next time, a new game. A mysterious podcast. 
and Mike Walters saws his left arm off at the shoulder. If I lose, Mike Walters saws his left arm off at the shoulder. None of that stuff happened. If I lose, Mike Walters saws his left arm off at the shoulder. I'm out here. And strangest of all, I'm in the lead. Send us a video. Signed W.BG. So you might recognize the voice in this voicemail as Mike Walters, podcast host and Wobegon player. Handsome guy. Most of the voice snippets were taken from episode one of Wobegon. If you can't exactly make it out, the voicemail says, I'll cut the shit. If you found this, it's because you were googling what is Wobegon. None of that stuff happened. It never happened. Maybe being so far in the lead will grant me some leniency. Unlikely. Definitionally impossible. Next time, a new game. A strange contact. Mike Walters saws his left arm off at the shoulder. If I lose, everything from that voicemail will return to my lived experiences. Mike Walters saws his left arm off at the shoulder. If I inch closer to winning, none of this ever happened. If I lose, I'm out of the game. I'm out here and, strangest of all, I'm in the lead. Send us the video, signed W.BG. They chopped and screwed my podcast just to make their second game more arch. How could you possibly be more arch? You're telling me that I have to chop my fucking arm off or my friend dies. Or my friend died? A future world that uses this technology will have to have a whole new grasp on verb tense. Maybe a tense that only describes something that once was, but I'm getting off track. The real kicker to this whole thing is that this challenge happened a month ago. You, dear listener, have not yet caught up to the point where you are watching me play Wobegon in real time. At the time, I had no idea where these voice clips of me were coming from. I thought that maybe the game runners had used some sort of vocal synth to mimic my voice. I wasn't thinking about this recording at all when I decided to make the podcast. By the time I got around to actually making the podcast, I had forgotten the specifics of what I had said on the voicemail, but then recreated them perfectly, I guess for them to be sent back in time to taunt me. But I never said Mike Walters saws his left arm off at the shoulder. Oh, I say it now. I get it. So, you might have just put it together that this challenge is one where Mike Walters, me, saws his left arm off at the shoulder. I thought about titling this episode, Mike Walters saws his left arm off at the shoulder but I didn't want to be as dramatic as the game runners. And now you're asking, but if you're still in the game, and Mike Walters cuts his own left arm off at the shoulder, then that would mean, Mike, no. You don't, you, you couldn't. That's insane. That's downright preposterous claptrap. And you'd be right, mid-century man in a top hat. It is preposterous claptrap. It's untoward malarkey. And most of all, it's balderdash, tomfoolery, hooey, piffle, magniloquence, poppycock, and baloney. But in this episode, Mike Walters saws his left arm off at the shoulder. You get enough takes of me saying that, Game Runners? Just pick the one that sounds best. I like the last one. It's most dramatic. 
I'm flippant about all of this now because I can be flippant about it. It's been a month. I already know what happened to me. I can assure you that my inner monologue upon receiving this message was something more to the effect of, oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god, what do I do? Do I cut my arm off? Does Matt die? If I cut my arm off, will it go back to being there after I send them the video? Is it even legal to send a video of that to someone? Oh god. Which very quickly became an outer monologue to the same effect, but with more swear words, while I paced the full length and width of my house repeatedly, holding my head in my still intact hands. It was not an easy decision, to say the least. After my sort of tense conversation with Mark earlier in the week, a part of me felt just like maybe it was time to let things go back to normal. On the other hand, I couldn't just let a man go back to being dead because we had a bad conversation. The stakes were too high. So once my deliberation changed from if I was going to saw my own arm off to when I was going to saw my own arm off, I had a different sort of panic. Can I really do this? What if I get partway through and I can't finish the job? What if I bleed to death before I send them the video file? How am I going to take a video of this? How do I look up how best to do this without getting added to a watch list? I mean, I'm surely on some government watch lists, but it's best to minimize one's inclusion in that sort of thing. I spent an inordinate amount of time researching how to cut my arm off. I looked at videos of animals being butchered, I looked at pages from anatomy books online, I watched some horror movies where the effects were used to make it look like an actor was torn limb from limb. At one point the plan was to pop my arm out of its socket and to use a butcher's knife to cut the meat around the socket so I wouldn't have to break through any bones. Ultimately, I didn't think that I'd be able to do this precise butchery through the intense pain of performing it. You know I bought a prepper book once, it was a fictional tale of a family trying to make it after quote unquote shit hit the fan, which is their term for complete societal breakdown. In the first chapter, one character has to give a makeshift blood transfusion to another character. It's touch and go, but in the end both of them survive and recover. I remember reading that and thinking, yeah I think I'd just die. And it was that flavor of gory hopelessness that was setting in when I could not find a solution to this problem where I walk away alive and competently without a left arm. Some of the worst part of preparation was the loneliness. I had more people in my life than I had had in a long time, but I couldn't reach out to any of them. I wasn't averse to calling up John, and Matt was back in my life in some capacity, but it's not like I could ring them up and say, Hey man, I'm brainstorming right now. Do you know how to amputate an arm at the shoulder? It, don't worry, it's for a game. Should I cauterize it at the end or what? I'm really flying by the seat of my pants here. I did decide to cauterize it. I built quite the contraption. I bought some wood to fashion into a pair of walls, which were reinforced with cinder blocks on the back so that they were sturdy. I put plastic sheeting all over the setup so that the blood didn't get everywhere, which is an idea I got from Dexter. One side was for me to brace against. On the other wall was a table saw, attached facing the opposite wall. I looked up a guide and took off all of the safety mechanics so that it wouldn't accidentally stop while I was doing the deed. Doing the deed. Even now I'm talking about it in euphemisms. My plan was to start with the saw, brace against the wall, and push with my right arm and my feet into the saw and try my best to make deliberate cuts. My phone was mounted on a tripod opposite this rig to record the whole thing. I had looked up DIY cauterization methods and there was a blowtorch next to the rig for when I was done. Simple as that. Round three, here I come. There is no fucking way, I said the first time I stepped into the death rig. I started by just turning on the saw and standing there. That's all I could bear at first. 
I knew that I was on a timer, but I didn't have any idea how long the game runners would let me build up to this. I knew that the quicker I got it done, the better it would be for my placement in the game, for my future, and Matt's, and God knows who else. The first couple times I got in the rig, I would just stand in it and panic, tears streaking down my face. I wasn't getting any calmer sitting in it, and was panicking more and more about how much time it was taking to get it done. It took two and a half days for me to go through with it. I turned on some loud metal music, the phone, then the saw. I sat in there for five minutes with the rig going with my eyes closed. Then I opened my eyes, screamed a scream more primal than I could ever recreate, tensed every muscle in my body, and pressed my left shoulder into the saw blade at the armpit as hard as I could with the rest of my body. The tearing was immediate, but it wasn't enough to sever the bone. The blood kicked up in my face and everywhere else. I tried to get control of my mind, but it was racing. My left arm was limp at my side, useless but not amputated. I screamed again and pressed my arm into the blade. I made some progress, but it was still hanging on. The body seems so fragile most of the time. We are frail sacks of blood that can be knocked over dead by the slightest thing, but now my body was a warrior. It wasn't going to let something as insignificant as a saw blade keep it down. I hated how resilient I was. Tears in my eyes, and not screaming so much as babbling non-syllables at the top of my lungs, I pushed into it one last time. The world was getting blurry and I was losing energy fast. I wasn't sure how much longer I could do this. I pressed forward harder and harder and harder and harder and... Thud. I felt relief immediately. Arms are heavy when they aren't being used, and the surreal feeling of the dead arm was almost as horrible as the sensation of amputation. I rushed over to the blowtorch and tried my best to burn the wound closed, but it was not as simple to do one-handed as I had hoped. I hadn't practiced this, and I was regretting it now. I trudged over to the phone, stopped the recording, and sent it in a text message to the Wobegon Game Runners. I smudged my own blood all over the screen. I could see my fingerprints. Mirror images to the ones that were lying dead on the floor. Everything was going dark. I propped myself up in a chair. I was losing consciousness quickly. I wanted to call 911, but I had spent all of my energy texting the Wobegon Game Runners. What a way to die, huh? Anyway, I was certain that I would be dead if I was wrong and the game didn't undo this event for me. There's no way an ambulance could get here in time. There's no way I'd last even 10 minutes. I remember the last coherent thought I had before falling unconscious. I'm really sorry if I was wrong and I'm putting someone through having to clean this up. I hope the plastic sheets were enough. I got the idea from Dexter. I woke up an hour and a half later and my whole left arm was dead, asleep. I had been laying directly on it in my bed and had pinched the nerve that gives it feeling. I rolled over and groggily flopped it free from under me. This had happened to me a few times before, and it usually took a couple minutes for it to come back to life. It would hurt in the process, too. Ugh. It took a minute for reality to hit me, but I was so relieved when it did. I got up and went to my living room, only to see that my contraption was no longer there. The video and the text message were no longer there. Matt's new phone number was still in my phone. <sighs> Proverbial bullet dodged. My brain was still panicky and likely traumatized, but I had two functioning arms. That's the second prize, by the way. Continuing to have two functioning arms? I told you that the prizes only get worse after the first one. I was so tired. 
I had never needed real sleep as much as I needed it after this incident. I was getting ready for bed and putting my phone on the charger so that I could slip into an exhausted and well-earned sleep when I saw I had a new email. The subject was just SCOREcard in all capital letters, and the address was a one-time use burner email. Part of me wanted to wait until morning to read it. I could still feel some pain in my left shoulder from the memory of the amputation. It was like my body couldn't rectify what happened with what the reality now was. Like a reverse phantom pain. My brain knew it was not supposed to feel it there anymore, but it was there all the same. I sighed and opened the email. It didn't look like it was from the game runners. Do you know history? Do you know Charles Thibodeau? Have you seen the scoreboard? Do you think you can win? Are you going to take the bread out of my mouth? Let's discuss this. Let's get coffee. Let's get dinner. Let's eat bread. Are your woes gone yet? What three letters would you enter on the scoreboard? What if I just unplug the scoreboard so you have to start from the beginning? Will you still take the bread out of my mouth again? What do they have on you? Who did they kill? Who will they kill again? What do you want with me? What will happen to me? What will happen to me? What the fuck will happen to me? Skip the voice recorder. Tuesday, 5.30 p.m. And then the name of a local coffee shop followed by the signature, again in all caps, Cannonball. I had no idea what to make of this. This was clearly another player. I didn't tell anyone that I was playing the game, so no one else would have contacted me about Wobegon. How did this person get my email address? Did he get it from the game runners? Why would they give it to him? And what was up with this screed? It sounded almost like QAnon nonsense. I didn't know if he was speaking in coded language on purpose, or if Wobegon had just completely fried his brain. I wouldn't be surprised if it had. I had a lot of reading to do to try to figure out what was going on in this email. I'd start with the easy keywords, but one thing stood out to me. Wobegon has a scoreboard. And I was winning. This has been Wobegon. Next time, coffee, a history lesson, and the same loss felt twice. Thanks for playing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.